see you. We always enjoy coming over the hill uh, and rolling down into uh, to this part of the world and, and greeting with you again. Um, I can't remember when I was here last, but it was like, like the other day. Or was it? <laughs> I, when he called me and said, will I come again? And I said, aren't they sick of me there yet? It must be... Uh, but it's always a joy, and we've got such strong connections um, with you all, and we love you. So it's great. It is an unusual time, and that is a really good word you brought there from uh, Joshua, that scripture. Because I, I woke up this morning with a scripture just uh, rolling over in my heart, and I, I was going to share. I thought, I thought we were going to be praying for Ben and Rachel this morning because they were getting their credential, and, and Jared had called me during the week. And said, um, "Would you pray for Ben and Rachel?" And then I got here to find out that. Uh, <laughs> so a baby's a credential. Is that is that what it is? is it? <laughs> well, you need to get on with it. Huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. Isn't that a blessing? What a great couple they are. I love them to bits, and uh, uh, we stay connected even when I, you know, outside of. Uh, uh, my visits, uh, so it's it's been great to watch their journey in the Lord too. And uh, but that word you brought this morning, um, you know, uh, I, I, this is an unusual time we're living. Now. You don't need me to tell you that. What a uh, an unusual time. Uh, there is a shaking going on across the whole world, isn't there? I, I don't think I've in all my life in the ministry, uh, which is nearly fifty years these days. Uh, I have um, heard the word anxiety as much as what I'm hearing it, you know, and all the community. I'm not just talking about the church. I'm talking about all over. There's this uh, word anxiety that we never used to really hear very much of. And, um, you know, anxiety and fear uh, are um, things that uh, that are assailing a lot of people. And you know what? This is our moment this is our moment to shine uh, as the church of Jesus Christ because actually uh, the scripture tells us to be anxious for nothing. Don't be anxious. Uh, and so when anxiety, if anxiety ever assails you, then you can, the grace of God is there for you to uh, stand against it and, and to be strong and to not fear. Uh, you know, that it's interesting. There are some things that are just commands of God, aren't they? Like, be strong and courageous. Be strong. And, and that's, a, that's a command. And don't be anxious. That's a command also. And we can actually stand against it. The grace of God enables us to not be anxious and to not be fearful. And uh, so it's important that uh, during this time of shaking that's going on in the world, that the people of God are... Uh, able to be free from those things to minister to those that are. And uh, this is our moment. This is our moment not to get caught up in other things and, and to get uh, on a crusade about whether we vaccinated or not vaccinated or anything like that. It's like, don't get in a crusade. Get on with doing the exploits of God. Actually, the word that I woke up with is that, that word in, uh, in Daniel where it says, the people that do know their God will be what? strong, and do exploits. And uh, so this is a time to press into the Lord. And uh, uh, I just love, I, I don't think ever in my, in my ministry life, I've, I've wanted to spend so much time in the strong 
hold in the, in the high tower, to go into that secret place, to, to go into my tent of meeting and just download his strength and his, and his courage and his, and his peace. We need it more than ever we did. And uh, so I was up at um, the pastor's conference on Tuesday night with Jared, and I felt right across that pastor's conference, Joe, I felt there was a tiredness. And I know that I've I'm tighter than I've ever been in my life. Pastoring through this COVID experience has been uh, stretching and challenging and tiring. Probably the tiring part is just part of growing old, but but uh, the uh, there it has been a tiring time. But actually, the young fellow that brought the Josh Greenwood, he brought a really good word. <laughs> this young kid got up. I thought he was 14, you know, but I heard it. he said that he was 39. But, he, you know, he looked forward into me. He got, he got up there and he was, uh, he's from Adelaide. He, was pre- he preached this really good message, didn't he? And I felt that tiredness lift. I felt something heavy lift off the, the pastors on, uh, on Tuesday night. And, you know, there has to be a, a, a bit of a, 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 just a being strong and courageous. Hallelujah. People that know their God will be strong and do exploits. Praise God. Well, it's always a joy to be with you, and I, I, I have a word in my heart. Um, just in the last few months, I have been, or last six months really, I have been absolutely uh, zeroed in on the concept of preparing the people of God for the days that lie ahead. Um, I really feel that every pastor has a mandate from God to be making the people of God ready, because in one way... This whole thing we're going through is nothing compared to what's coming. And I think that we have to be a people that understand and be prepared. And I really have felt a prompting of God to go out and prepare the word of God, and to prepare the people of God. Uh, you know, it says in Revelation, it talks about the bride. And it says the bride has made herself ready and the marriage of the supper has come and the bride has made herself ready do you know the thing about brides is that is that um the the husband the the groom the the man has nothing to do with her getting ready i I don't know if you've ever noticed that i've got three daughters and uh, i've watched the whole process three times and he never shows up. He's off playing golf or whatever he does, you know. And, uh, and, but I watch what happens on that Saturday morning. I want to tell you, at 4.15, up they get and the whole thing processes. And, and uh, the cars start pulling up outside the door and out comes the hair lady. And then and in comes the makeup lady. And in comes the dress lady and the flower lady later on. And they're all coming in. And this incredible transformation takes place on my sleepy looking daughter you know and uh, they are that's the thing though the bride makes herself ready and uh, that's the interesting thing it's like sometimes we we put it all on Jesus but the bride has got to do something we've got to ensure that we are being made ready we have got to do the whole thing you know in that uh, that old um custom way back thousands of years ago when Jesus was talking about it and he talked about that that whole uh, thing about didn't he about the um, 
you know, that parable of the, the wise virgins and the, and the foolish virgins who didn't, you know, they're waiting for the wedding and the, the wedding. And that was the thing. What happened, used to happen was the, the father of the groom would take the groom away and he would go away and together they would build the house or they would do what they were doing and uh, getting ready for the bride and they would come back to uh, do the wedding. But she never knew when it was. They didn't have the date set and the time. She had to make herself ready and then and, and he would come with the, his attendants when the time was right and he would shout. There would be the shout and she would listen for the shout and she needed to be ready. And that was the thing. Jesus is coming back with a shout. Tells us that. In Thessalonians, it tells us that there will be a shout and the, and the church will, will be ready and we'll be caught up with him. But the thing is, we don't know when he's coming back, but we need to be ready. And uh, so, you know, about getting ready is the important thing. And I've been uh, doing a series in our church uh, simply called Overcomer. Overcomer, because God is going to have a company of overcomers. And uh, I can't do the whole series in, uh, this morning and uh, in the few minutes I have, but I, I, I just want to give you a theme because I, this is the thing that is in my heart. I have learned in my years of ministry to go with what's hot in your heart, all right? So uh, I don't pull out uh, sermon number 39 and, and, and bring it to you because I think that'll be good. I go with what's hot in my heart. And so I want to, to do that this morning, and I want you to, um, to determine in your own hearts and uh, just go like this and point to yourself and just say the word overcomer. 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 We're going to talk a little bit about this because uh, we are one who is going to uh, be ready. And, and I want to tell you something. Uh, when Jesus wrote his letter in Revelation to the seven churches, he, he had something to say to each one of them. At the end of every letter, he said to each church and to him that overcomes, I will. And he gave a promise to each one of them, to he who overcomes. And I want to tell you, it's a very important aspect of, uh, of living our life for Jesus and being ready. Now, the word overcoming simply means to... Uh, uh, to be able to get the better of a struggle or, or a conflict or a conquer uh, to, do, to, to an enemy is to, is to overcome it. And uh, it says in, in uh, the actual word is conqueror. And, and the scripture tells us that we've been made actually more than conquerors through him who saved us and loved us. So 1 John in chapter 5 verse 4 says this, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So God has called us through our faith to be overcomers. We have been made overcomers. We've got to enter into it and learn to live as conquerors of whatever is thrown our way, whether it be fear, anxiety, uh, discouragement, uh, or, or whatever. And what is bothering me in a tremendous way in this day and age is how many uh, of God's people have gone into cruise mode. Uh, I was hearing at um, conference that, that uh, 30% of congregations have not come back to church 
since uh, lockdown. And uh, that bothers me. What are they doing? Where are they? And uh, so it, it, is a, it is a concern to me. So we, we are a people that have been called to be conquerors, to live in a place of fervency and to overcome. Now, uh, I'm going to actually uh, I'll read um, just uh, a scripture from First John because it talks about uh, John. He's, he's talking about uh, uh, writing to the, the people and he says... Uh, I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. And he says, I write to the children, I write to the fathers. He said, but I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. What are we to overcome? We're to overcome the world, we're to overcome the devil, and we are to overcome our natural uh, inclination to sin. Or, or the flesh, as, as the Scripture calls it. Those are the things that we are called to overcome. The Scripture says we overcome them by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. So we are called to be overcomers. And I want you to get this in your heart, that you are determined, not only that you will be an overcomer, but so will your spouse, so will your children, and so will your grandchildren. They'll all be overcomers. And you need to make sure that that is a determination in your life. You're not going to be overcome by the world or squeezed into its mold. You know, and the world is trying to do that to us. Now, I'm... Uh, Back in uh, at Deborah Church, I went through all the the, uh, the letters to the seven churches in Revelation. Uh, you know, the, those those churches that Jesus wrote to the the letters in, in Revelation were interesting. They were all a group of churches in the same area of what is now modern day Turkey. You could drive between them all just in a in a couple of hours. They're so really close in there in that part of of modern day Turkey. But those churches, you know, the Ephesus church was the, uh, the Ephesian church was the, the church that had lost its first love and all that kind of thing. It goes through the whole lot of them. But the interesting thing about those seven churches is that they all relate to uh, the, the, the seven parables of the Lord. You know, so he, 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 uh, the Lord gave those seven parables and, and uh, each one of the churches is aligned up with them. But I want to focus today simply on the last one, the church of Laodicea, because that is the church of our age. That is the church that relates to our day. And uh, if you, there were, not only were there seven parables that were, uh, were aligned to the seven churches, there were the seven feasts of Israel, if you go through them, and I'm not going to go into it all, but they, they, each of the, the, the feasts line up with one of the churches. And so the, the, the Feast of Tabernacles is the one that lines up with the church of Laodicea. And the, the parables, the, the seven parables, the parable of the net is the one that lines up with us because Feast of Tabernacles was a harvesting time. And, uh, and the net is also uh, speaks of harvest. And we are living in a day where there is a harvest being prepared. And we have got to be understanding that there will be a great harvest. There is coming a day of a great incoming and great gathering in of the people of God. And uh, so the church of Laodicea, we're going to read in the uh, book of Revelation in chapter uh, 3 and verse 14. And uh, Revelation and, and, and 3. Now the church of Laodicea uh, was what uh, the church that was known as the lukewarm church. 
the lukewarm church. It says to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one of those, uh, the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I'm rich and I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from the gold, from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. There, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. And here it is. To the one who overcomes or is victorious, some translations put it, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. Now this relates to our church, our time. And uh, this is, speaks about the church that is neither hot nor cold. And uh, it, this incredible statement that Jesus made, I will spit you out of my mouth. Uh, it, it's an analogy. I think it's a good one um, because we've all done that with something, haven't we, that was neither hot nor cold. How many of you, like me, are doing something in the garage or you're doing something in the yard or something, go and make yourself a cup of coffee. And, uh, you know, with great intentions. And everyone likes their coffee hot. And uh, so, you know, you take it out and you put it down and then you get involved in what you're doing, you know. And you think, oh, that's right, I need a spanner. And you go off and you get that spanner and you get under the whatever you're doing, you know. And then you suddenly remember, my coffee! And it's like 20 minutes has gone by or 30 minutes has gone by. And you get out and you feel it like that. You grab the, the cup and you feel it and you think, oh, well, it's not cold. And you take it, you know, and it's like, ah, uh, I'm... It's a long way inside to put it in the microwave to heat it up, you know. And I mean, uh, Shane's not here, is he, this morning? But I mean, if, he, he, that guy makes great coffee. Uh, you know, and, and, and you go like this and you think, oh, well, you know. And you, and you go like that. Ugh. I've got a picture, I think, of the guy that's spitting his coffee. There he goes. That's been me so many times. You know, it's spitting it out because it's, it's, if it was cold, you wouldn't have even put it in your mouth. You see, there's almost a blessing in being cold, uh, you know, rather than lukewarm. Because with the lukewarm, you give it a go. And just, that's the thing about being lukewarm. And this is the lukewarm church. And it's like, um, it's not enjoyable to Jesus, lukewarmness, I want to tell you. This is the day when, you know, and it says, you know, you think you're rich. I want to tell you, this is the thing that, uh, that is, is an incredible thing across the world, and especially the church in Australia, is that, you know, we have become quite wealthy. 
You know, and I've noticed this over the years of pastoring. I first started to notice that people in the congregation where I was at Tigham, they used to, you know, I started seeing the people that used to come to church every week suddenly weren't. Why? Because they'd bought a, a beach house or they, or they, they had sort of got into a holiday sort of thing where they were going away every other week and that kind of thing or, or whatever. And, and it's like they, they went into cruise mode a little bit. It was like, that wasn't just a church attendance thing, which is, you know, not a big deal. But it was like an attitude. and It was like their Christian life had gone into a, a, a period of time where they were going through the motions. And uh, that's what happens. Sometimes wealth can be a problem to us. Sometimes having so much can be a problem to us. I, I was uh, missing a guy at church the other day, and I think, I said to Judy, I haven't seen... I won't mention his name. I haven't seen him for ages. Where was this happened? And I called him up. And I bought a couple of boats, Gary. I bought a couple of boats. And so on Saturday, Sunday morning, he's out in his boats. Not just one boat. He's got two boats. And, uh, you know, and it's like, hang on a minute. You know, you were... You loved church. You were always there. And you were, you were full on. And so it's interesting... That spiritual temperature is spoken of quite a bit in the scriptures and, uh, and generally. You know, we speak about people who are hot and people who are going full on for God. Now, Romans chapter 12 and verse 11 says this, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual, what? Further serving the Lord. That word fervor is an interesting word. It actually can be translated Boiling hot. Keep your spiritual man boiling hot. Now, anybody who's done anything with, with heating uh, things up knows that it is the nature of things to go cold if you just leave them. Don't you? I mean, it's, it's, this is not rocket science here today. It's just, you know that if you don't come for your dinner when you're first called or your soup or whatever it is, it'll go cold quickly. It's the nature of a fire to just dwindle and go out. It's, it's the it, it, water. You know, you can boil it and uh, sometimes you put the jug on, you, you click it down and you go, oh, I'll, I'll just go off and feed the cats or something, you know, and you go off and you, you're caught up and you get doing stuff. And the thing's boiled and then it's, it's gone, you know, gone, clicked itself off and you come back and you think, oh, that's right, was, I boiled the jug. Oh, I need to put it on again. Why? Because it's the nature of it just to cool down. So it is with your spiritual man. So it is with your, with your relationship with God. It needs constant attention. It is the nature of it to go cold. It is the nature of it to diminish and, and uh, your fervency to go out. So Paul is saying to the Romans, don't ever be lacking in zeal. Say zeal. Make two syllables out of it. Zeal. You know, it's a, I have these American friends from the southern part of the States. They can make three syllables out of that word. Sometimes Judy and I laugh at it because we, we say amen sometimes after we've prayed. Like he says it, you know, amen. <laughs> Zeal. Never be lacking in it. But keep your spiritual father serving the Lord. And I want to tell you, you have to give attention to this. 
Oh, oh look, uh, Jared, as a pastor over the years, I have had to attend to this because it, it's just absolute death to me if my fervor goes off the boil. I, I, if I go off the boil, so does the church. Uh, you know, and, and who wants to go and, and be a part of it where there's no spiritual fervor? And I want to tell you, it's, it's uh, my intention to be as fervent as I am today as when, uh, when I get to the age of, of whatever age I'm going to get to. You know, God knows. But if I get into my 80s, I want to be zealous. And I just love being around people like that. I love being around people who have, you know, they've got past their working life days, and they're, but they're still fervent in their spiritual man serving the Lord. And uh, so it can be translated, some, some translations actually say, with regard to the spirit, boiling. I want to tell you something, an overcomer is never cold. He is never spiritually cold. And, and lukewarm is more dangerous than being cold. Because lukewarm thinks that it's hot. If you don't go away with anything else today, just go away with that phrase in your head. Lukewarm thinks it's hot when it's not. Lukewarm thinks it's okay. Do you know, you can go through the motions with, with uh, your, your spiritual life and, and serving Jesus and going to church and the whole thing. But there's an interesting scripture, and I want to tell you, this, this scripture has, has um, challenged me and pro- provoked me and and frightened me and scared me uh, all the days of my Christian life. And it's in Malachi in chapter 1 when God says what he thinks of the church gathering. And he says, oh, that one of... You've got to do it like the Lord is saying it here. You know, sometimes we just read it out. But it's, it's God proclaiming. And he says, oh, that one of you would shut the temple doors so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. I'm not pleased with you. And he goes on to say a whole lot of stuff there, you know, and it's like, I, that has made me shudder. Because every time I hear of it or read of it, I say, oh God, never let my worship, never let my coming to you in prayer, never let my singing to you ever be going through the motions because if you ever felt that it was old leavens coming and you went, oh, someone shut the door, that would kill me. I want him to think, Gary's coming. I don't want him to ever feel like I'm going. And, and that was the thing. They were, they were giving him the lame and the blind. And, you know, that, that was back in the animal sacrifice days. But, but what am I bringing to him? As my pray- Sometimes I stop and I listen to the way I'm praying. And I think, hang on a moment. This is just like a prayer, a religious prayer. I've got to get back to, to, to conversational language with God so that it is that is real and it's something he enjoys listening to. It's something that is not a yawn to him. I hate the thought of God saying, oh, that they would shut the doors because they're going to go through the motions with that again. 
Don't you feel like that? Wouldn't that be awful? And, you, and, you, and, and God goes on. He says, you know, it's almost contemptible. And you, you say, what a burden. And you sniff contemptuously. You know, well, we need to make sure that going to church is never about like that. Never coming into the presence of God. Never going into the secret place. Never going into our, into our place where we pray that we just start to go through the motions. You know, we, we've got to be a people who keep spiritual vitality and zeal and fervency in our lives so that our prayers come out of that. And it doesn't matter whether it's a good prayer, you know, sounds good or, or reads good. It's got to be something that is, that is actually giving birth to something. You know, we need to be zealous about things that are happening in our world. You know, what about the, the legislation? Well, was, uh, uh, you know, just, just things that are going through, through uh, and, and getting passed in Parliament, you know, it's just... Horrible. I said to my church, I was saying something the other day, is, and where I said, if I was in Victoria right now, I'd be, I'd be arrested for saying this. We've got to be careful what sneaks in. We've got to be people who are zealous about our own nation and what's happening to it. And we've got to do something about it. We've got to rise up and not be apathetic and just let things go along. You know, it says here to the uh, Laodicean church, God's promises to, to them would be that they would reign with him. They would reign with him, and especially true with the things of the Spirit and the quickening of God in our days. You know, Paul said in Romans in chapter 5, verse 17, If by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace... And of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Wow. Reigning in life. How do we become people who overcome the world? You know, it says in Romans 12, don't let this world squeeze you into its mold. And, and what it's saying is, you know, don't let the intrusions of things in the world. One of the things that I've noticed uh, that is happening amongst young people is that they, some of the issues of our day, uh, sexuality, uh, same-sex attraction, uh, uh, gender dysphoria, these, these hot topics. See, I can go up over Mount Me and get away from you. So I can say this, say this stuff here. Some of this, these things, we've got to realise that, you know, our young people, are growing. if we don't talk about it in church, what they're getting is from the world. And they'll form their paradigms. And, and uh, do you know this, this whole thing about, you know, guys thinking they're girls and girls thinking they're guys is, is a lie. I'm sorry, but it's a lie. And in fact, the scripture calls it the lie. The lie. Paul says that they will believe the lie, and that's what will happen. Jesus said in Matthew 24 that in the last days uh, preceding his coming, the disciples have said, what would it be like when just before you come back? And he said, he said, the love of many will grow cold. Grow cold. 
And this gendered, I was telling the story at my church, is my time up? You're just sitting with your Bible with your finger in the place. Okay. (laughs) Just tell me when it's ready, you know. Just pull at my shirt like that. I was, um, I'll never forget this. This was a profound moment in my ministry life. I'd just gone to Chile uh, where we, we lived for six years, but I was visiting before we went to live there. And this, this man came up, this gentleman came up in the place where I was, I was preaching. And he came up and he spoke to me and he was, he was a very refined uh, looking man and, and uh, tall and elegant. And he, he said to me, and he started to cry, he said, will you pray? I've come up for prayer for my daughter. She is anorexic and she is dying. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, Go. Ask him to take you to her house. The Lord needed me to see that girl. And I said, can you take me to your house? This man became a good friend of mine, actually, and was our language teacher. But um, we went in, in the car to his house, and he took me into this room with this, with this microphone stand of a person was in bed. This girl was so anorexic, she honestly just looked like the microphone stand. She was, so, she was emaciated. She was just 14 or 15 years of age. But she believed she was fat. She looked in the mirror and she saw a fat person. And she was just bones. You know those pictures you see of the concentration camp victims? She looked like that. I'm not exaggerating. And I came through the door and I saw her in the bed lying there, just a skeleton of a girl. And the Spirit of the Lord came on me in an amazing way. And without waiting for an introduction, I walked over and I rebuked a lying spirit. A lying spirit. Well, they took me away for lunch and I got on the plane and came back to New Zealand where we were living in those days and we prepared to go to Chile about two years later. By the time we got back there, this girl was waiting for us. Beautiful. Completely normal. Smiling. And she, that girl, went into YWAM. She went into the ministry. She's in the ministry today. She was under a lying spirit. She believed she was fat. She wasn't. She was anything but fat. And it's the same thing happening to people with this gender dysphoria thing where they believe it's a lying spirit. And we have got to be, understand, look, this isn't, and we're giving way to it. And the schools are saying, no, no, we could be careful. These people are committing suicide. We have not got to be squeezed into the, to the things of this world. When these things come on us, and I want to tell you, this is the kind of thing that I'd get arrested for in Victoria today. But I tell you what, if it's going to come here too, I'm not going to stop saying this. I don't care what they say and do. I am going to speak the truth because this kind of thing is insanity that's coming upon our land. And it's a lie. And I want to tell you, it's just, it's just not true. And I, in my ministry life, have had much to do with people with issues like this. And I I went through prayer and through uh, deliverance like I did with the girl there. They have been set free. And there is a, a, a normality to all of these things. We've got to understand, 
God did not create these things. I didn't have that in my notes, so I don't know whether you can have that bit for free. (laughs) Reigning in life is about being an overcomer. And uh, I want to tell you something. This Laodicean church typifies the church of our days. We've got to make sure that's not our church. We are not a lukewarm church. This, this person that you pointed at is not a lukewarm person. We're, uh, and don't be fooled. Make sure that your spiritual temperature is correct. Don't be lulled into thinking, oh, because I'm not cold out there, uh, I'm hot. You could be lukewarm. We've got to make sure. I'm getting back to that scripture and finishing with that scripture in Revelation where it says, that the marriage of the Lamb and, and, and Revelation 19, verse 5 and 6, 7, the, the, the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. Making yourself ready is about being an overcomer. It's about making sure this world has not squeezed me into its way of thinking. And it, and it means that we've got to have our th- Thinking changed. We've got to be renewed in the spirit of our mind, as Paul puts it. And uh, we have got to be uh, an overcomer of, from the world, of the world, of Satan himself. We've got to know who our authority is. You know, I love uh, um, Martin Luther, the story of Martin Luther, where he got woken up in the middle of the night and woke up and there was the devil in the room. And he said, oh, it's only you, and went back to sleep. Why? Because he'd understood God had given us authority over the devil. And the devil's biggest weapon is to fool us into thinking that we're under his power still and that we need to be intimidated by him. And the flesh. We overcome the flesh. We overcome it. We live in resurrection life. And he's called us to live and reign in life. I want to draw this to a close by praying for you. Because listen to me very carefully in this moment. You are destined to be an overcomer. You have been made, you've been redeemed, you've been called, you've been washed, you've been sanctified, you've been set apart. Why? To be an overcomer. To be someone who overcomes the world and overcomes the devil and overcomes the flesh. And it doesn't bother you because you are so determined to live in the spirit and to be the man, the woman of God that Jesus is coming back for. You've made yourself ready. Will you stand with me this morning as we pray? And in so doing, standing, I want you to stand for Jesus. You know, Paul said, having done all, we stand. Having done all, we stand. You know, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spirits and events. You know, this whole spirit that is going through our land at the moment, you know, this whole lie that's going and everyone's getting on board with it. Understand, if the world's in it, it's not of God. When we stand against these things, having done all we stand, close your eyes, present yourself before the Lord this morning. Present yourself. Say, Lord, here I am. I believe I'm cut out. I've been born in this Era, I've been born in this day and age because that was your plan for me. Why you didn't uh, bring me into this world in the 1800s, I have no idea. But you had a plan for me and I'm here in 2021. 
And you know, Lord, this is the day. And I'm having children. I'm raising my family. And Lord, you've got a plan and a purpose and a destiny for all of us. And it's to be the Joshua generation, the, the overcomers, to be strong and courageous and to go in and take land. And Father, I pray for all of these overcomers here in this room today. I pray in Jesus' name. I pray for the, for the, the heat of their spiritual fervency, Lord, to be increased and to, Lord, always be at a place of fervency and, Lord, hot for you. Put another log on the fire this morning, Lord, I pray. Put another log on, Lord, and let that, that, that flame, Lord, well up within them that we will live in this day, Lord, that... We Many people's hearts are failing for, for fear and for, and for anxiety. But you have called me, O oh Lord, to be a person who overcomes those things, to be strong and courageous and to stand in this day as an overcomer and to stand against the, the, the contrary winds of doctrine that are blowing all over the place and coming through YouTube. And, and Lord, everything that can be preached has been preached. I pray, Lord, you would make me a person of truth and, Lord, never to be deceived. Lord, never to be one that goes into a pool of irrelevancy. But I stand in my God in this day, fervent as ever. It doesn't matter whether I'm 70, 60, 40, 80, 90. I'm going to be fervent and white hot for you, boiling, boiling, Lord. I pray you'd apply the temperature heat. Lord, that I would not be one spat out of your mouth. I would not be one, Lord, whose name is removed from the book of life. Lord, as you said to one of the churches, I pray, Father, that, Lord, you would be in my life with fervency and heat, in the life of every single one of these people, Lord, in Hope Point Church. May Hope Point Church get a reputation for being fervent in spirit, loving the Lord, white hot for you. Hallelujah. And Lord, if you were to write a letter to this church, may it be, Lord, at one of, condemn, of commendation, of commendation, you're commending them for their white hotness. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.